Sundays. Have you notice that? It seems like it's real pretty all week, and then when it's time to come to church, the bad weather hits. So, oh well, we still have the victory, don't we? Let's go to Mark the 16th chapter. We're talking about the supernatural in the first session. We talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And today, I want to talk about the utterance gifts, the you know tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy. We mentioned the other gifts last week, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the verbal gifts. And then we'll conclude this series next week on supernatural uh, guidance. Okay, how the Lord leads us supernaturally. Uh, Mark 16 and verse 17. Remember, a lot of people miss the supernatural looking for the what? For the, for the what? For the, for the what? For the spectacular. Most people miss the supernatural looking for the what? For the spectacular. And uh, a lot of times people think when they're, that stuff going on, they think that's the Holy Spirit, and that's not the Holy Spirit at all. Others think that you've got to be dancing or jumping or running or, you know, for the Holy Spirit to be moving. And most of, most of the time when people are doing that, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's just people's flesh. How does the Holy Spirit manifest Himself? How does He move? Well, when He moves... We talked about it last week. There's nine ways that, that he moves primarily. Uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Remember that? We talked about that last week. And then there's what's known as special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. We talked about those last week. And then there's tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Those are the nine basic ways the Holy Spirit moves. And remember we said to you that if you only have these things going on in the local church and they're never operating in your everyday life, then that's very unhealthy. Remember me saying that last week? That's very unhealthy. And uh, these things shouldn't just ap- operate at church. They should operate in our everyday life as well. And remember, it's as the Holy Spirit wills. You can't make the Holy Spirit manifest Himself. You you need to understand that. You can't make that happen. You just put yourself in a position for for Him to move, and then as He wills, he'll, He'll move. Now, here in Mark 16, verse 17, it says, These signs will follow those who believe. Actually, they're supernatural signs. We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with what? With new tongues. Now, of course, from what we've taught you in the uh, couple weeks back in the first session, that just plain believers, you know what I mean? Just somebody that believes on Jesus and gets saved. They're going to go to heaven. They're going to miss hell. That's wonderful. But just because somebody's a believer, just because they are saved, doesn't mean they speak in tongues. Remember that? And if you look at this, this is at the end of, this is right before Jesus is saying this, right before he's caught up to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And if you look at, this is Mark's account, but if you look at the other gospel accounts, 
He was talking to them. Remember what he said? And you can look at this in the book of Acts. Remember what he said to his disciples? He said, go into Jerusalem and wait there until you're endued with power from on high. Remember that? So it's clear to me that this speaking in tongues has to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You understand that. Remember, we taught you in the first session that when a person, when a sinner believes on Jesus with a repentant heart, they, they become a Christian. But there's an experience after that where they can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you first of all become an effective soul winner and you then speak with other tongues. Now, one thing I will tell you, I want to be sure I get it in here so I don't miss it later. One reason that people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit don't speak with tongues is because they've never learned to yield to the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'll say it another way. Uh, you remember on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. But you have to remember that the, the, the believers, the, the people that had gotten baptized with the Spirit, they did the speaking. The Holy Spirit didn't do the speaking. You have to understand that. The Holy Spirit doesn't do the speaking. We have to do the speaking. He gives the what? The utterance or the uh, bubbling. There'd be like a bubbling down on the inside. And you've got you've to yield your tongue to him. And it takes faith. Anything you do with, with the Lord, it takes faith. Did you hear what I just said? takes faith. See, most people think, and I thought this too, well, you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and then he'll just take you over and speak in, he'll do all the speaking, make you, Holy Ghost won't make you do anything. You understand that? So you have to learn to yield to the Spirit of God, take a step of faith and just speak those words that are bubbling up on the inside, speak them out. Yeah, but nobody will understand me. Well, I'll talk about that here in just a moment. They're not supposed to understand you. When you speak with other tongues, you're speaking to God, not to men. We'll see this in a moment. But notice here, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. (laughs) If they drink anything deadly, they'll by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, I want to talk about speaking with uh, tongues here today. But I think we ought to talk a little bit just briefly about these other things. They'll cast out demons. Notice that. They'll cast out demons. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus ever cast demons out? Can we find where he did that? Yes. Do do we see the disciples casting demons out? Yes. And in this church, a handful of times over 20 years, I've I've cast demons out of people. Just a handful of times. It doesn't happen all the time. What you don't want to do is you don't want to go to one of those what's called a deliverance meeting or deliverance service where that's all they're doing is casting demons out. You don't want to go to those. I don't even know if they have them anymore, but years ago they were prevalent and people would go to those things. And, and, and most of the time people, I'm talking believers that went, they wouldn't get free of a demon. They'd get a demon, you know. You don't want to, you don't want to go around those places. Hang around a healthy church where the power of God is and when the devil shows up, we'll run him off. Can you say amen? Okay, now, but did did you see Jesus casting demons out the disciples? Do we have Bible precedent for that? Certainly. Now, speaking with tongues, did we ever see Jesus speak with tongues? No, because speaking in tongues is distinctive to this dispensation in which we live, the church age. But here's the question. Did the disciples ever speak with other tongues? 
Yes. Now, they didn't speak with tongues when Jesus was with them because the baptism in the Holy Ghost hadn't been given yet. But after Jesus was raised from the dead, after the day of, on the day of Pentecost and thereafter, we see the disciples speaking in tongues, you see. So this is something, it's a, it's a supernatural sign. Now, taking up serpents, this is always an interesting one. This does not mean snake handling. <laughs> Tell you what, you bring a snake in here, I've told you before, I'm going to get a garden hoe and have my wife kill it. You know, I'm, I'm not... Let me ask you a question. Do you ever see Jesus or the disciples snake handling? Can you see anything? I mean, if this was something that the Lord wanted, wanted for us, wouldn't, wouldn't Jesus and the disciples, wouldn't they be bringing in boxes of snakes and handling them? They would, and we don't see that anywhere. I'll say this. Remember when Paul was accidentally bitten by that poisonous serpent there on the island? Remember that? What did he do? He shook it off in the fire, and it didn't harm him, did, did it? And so, I, I believe that, that that's what that has to do with. But I found something else uh, as I was studying to teach her today on this. Uh, taking up serpents, as you get in and you study the Greek words of it and all, and, and, and understand some things about it, it also means this. It, it means, it, listen, to remove the guilt and punishment of sin by the message of the gospel. Well, when we share the gospel with people, with sinners, and they get saved, we remove that, that bite of the serpent from them, so to speak. Is that right? We remove that bite of sin from them. Is that right? As they repent and make Jesus their Lord, they get free of sin. And then it also can mean this, to take away that which the devil has attached. To take away that which the devil has attached. One thing that a, that a believer, a, a, a disciple of the Lord Jesus ought to do is, is go around setting people free from the power of the devil. Is that right? Remember uh, when Lazarus was raised from the dead? Remember what Jesus said? He said to the disciples, he said, loose him and let him go. Is that right? And so when Lazarus came forth, Jesus raised him from the dead, but he was still bound with grave clothes. Is that right? Is that correct? And, and, and so, um, one thing that we're supposed to do, this taking up serpents can mean, is that we as believers, filled with the Holy Ghost, ought to go around, set people free of sickness, disease, and other things that the devil has bound them with, you see. And then if you drink anything deadly, it'll by no means harm you. Do you ever see Jesus or the disciples drinking poison on purpose? I don't see that. So, I, what, is it, what can this mean? Well, it, I think it has to do with, similar to when Paul was accidentally bitten by the serpent. He just shook it off in the fire and went right on. Well, I believe, you've got to remember back in that day, and even if you go to some third world countries today, even some second world countries, uh, even some local uh, restaurants. I went to a local restaurant Friday night and they've set something in front of me. That we refused to eat it. I mean, it just looked, looked horrible. You better pray over your food. You understand what I'm saying? They said something in front of me. I didn't even trust my prayers to, to cover me on that. We just didn't eat it. Be that as it may, uh, what you, you got to remember the water back in those days. You could, you know, you go to some third world countries or even when you go to Mexico or whatever the case, you shouldn't be drinking the water. Is that right? But, but back then they didn't have bottled water. Is that correct? And in Jesus' day and in the early days of the church. So, so uh, you better be a believer in trusting in the Lord and pray over your food. But if you do drink or eat anything deadly, it'll by no means harm you, you see. That'd be, that'd be something good to stand on, wouldn't it? 
So these signs will follow those that believe. And then they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Did Jesus ever lay hands on the sick? And did the disciples lay hands on the sick? Yeah. And I, and I spent basically the whole service last week talking to you about different instances over the years where we've laid hands on the sick and seen them healed. We can't heal anybody, but it's the power of God. So those supernatural signs. Now, let's center in on the tongues. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Just say some things here today about the utterance gifts. The utterance gifts. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. This is one way that when the Holy Spirit manifests, that, that He does it. Through tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Notice 1 Corinthians 14.1, Paul writing, By the Spirit of God says, Pursue love, he's writing to the church, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Now we ought to be pursuing love before the spiritual gifts. We need to be people of love before we're people of the spiritual gifts. You understand that. It's more important to be a person of love. And, and you'll see that people that walk in love, you'll see the, the true gifts of the Spirit manifesting in them more than people that aren't Christians that aren't walking in love. Pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. And especially that you may what? Prophesy. Well, I'll define that for you in a minute. He who speaks in a tongue... Does not speak to men, but to who? To God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. He who prophesies, now watch this, it's going to define itself for you. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men or to, to human beings. What is it for? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Prophecy. Now look back up at verse 2. When someone's speaking in other tongues, they're not speaking to men, but to who? To God. No one understands him. In the Spirit he speaks mysteries. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks, now here's something else. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. Now look, he, the Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So evidently not everybody did, but he wanted them all to. Is that correct? Did you ever think about that? He said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So in Paul's time, there were people in the Corinthian church there, Church of Corinth, that they didn't all speak with tongues. But did he want them all to do it? It didn't, did it, didn't it say, I wish you all spoke with tongues? Somebody might say, well, I guess it's just not for me. Paul wanted them all. That, did, did you see that? He said, I wish you a few or some or what? I wish you all spoke with tongues. So when somebody says, well, yes, yeah, some people do that, but it's just not something that, that God has for me. So that's incorrect. It is for you. I wish you, huh? I wish you all spoke with tongues. But even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies, see when you're speaking with tongues, you're edifying yourself. When you prophesy, you're edifying somebody else. You know, it's more important to lift other people up than it is lift yourself up. Is that right? Or is that correct? He said, but even more, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless indeed he interprets that he may edify that the church may receive edification. Here's something else you need to understand. Tongues plus interpretation is equal to prophecy. Okay? Tongues 
plus interpretation is equal to prophecy. Okay? Do you understand that? All right, we'll say more about that here as we go. Now, what is prophecy? Well, it, it defined it for you there. It's a supernatural utterance. Supernatural. In a language known to the speaker and to the hearers. So if I were to prophesy in here today, it would be in English. You would, because we all speak English. You understand that? So prophecy is supernatural utterance in a language known to the speaker and the hearers, which brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. It does not predict the future or give direction. This gift does not predict the future or give direction. Do you understand that? Now, I'll just say this. There, there is a flow of the Spirit of God that will predict the future. You see that in the book of Acts with the prophet Agabus. Remember when he prophesied that drought that was coming? But primarily, when there's a predicting of the future or a giving of direction, it comes through a person that has that is flowing or has been set by God into the one into one of the ministerial offices of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. Did you get what I just said? When this simple, what I call the simple gift of prophecy is in operation, it does not predict the future. It does not give direction. That's why many years ago, I don't think it's so prevalent today, but many, many, many years ago when I was much younger and I was came in. How many of you remember the charismatic renewal and the charismatic movement back in the 70s and into the 80s? And you'd see a lot of times where uh, uh, you'd have people would come to somebody, you know, in, 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 before church or on the parking lot or after church or in the restroom or somewhere like that. And they'd say, you know, I've got a word. I'm going to prophesy a word, give you a word from God. And it would it would have direction in it or whatever. And the, the spirit of God doesn't move that way. Do you get what? I, do you understand that? It caused much problem, much much confusion, much much problem back in those days. Um, you know, when, when when the Spirit of God is giving, like for a church back in those days, sometimes you'd have somebody just stand up in a congregation and say, "Yea, thus saith the Lord." You know, the, the the church, the pastor needs to do this, that, or the other. Uh, that's not the Holy Spirit. He doesn't move that way. You need to understand that. You don't see that much anymore. But how many remembers those days years and years ago that, that, you know, caused much problem, much. See, there's been, and I want to say this again, there's been, there's been a great move away from these things that I'm teaching you today. Been a great move away from these things of what I'm aware of. And it's very sad, isn't it? Because if it's in the Bible, shouldn't we want it? Shouldn't we covet it? Shouldn't we be after it? You, you understand? And, and uh, uh, there's just been such a move away from these things. Well, I want, to, I, I, want, I want all that the Bible has for us. I want all that God has for us. So, so prophecy, see, and you get over into the, into the ministry uh, office of a prophet, you know. And, and there'll be times that, that, that the prophet will prophesy uh, 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 concerning the, the, the future and things of that nature. 
Certainly that, that exists. Certainly that, certainly that exists. I, I sat in the office of the prophet one day, stood sitting right there on that platform and prophesied things about the future. Remember the financial collapse that came, I believe, in 2008. How many remembers that? The Spirit of God told us that about a year and a half before it, it happened, you see. How many remember, remembers that? A few of you were here. And other things we could say. So that is that is uh, that prophecy that is a, uh, a viable thing for today. Uh, but this gift here is something that uh, it's for, say this, edification, exhortation and comfort. And, and uh, that's what that's for. Now, tongues Let's talk about that. It's a supernatural utterance in a language not known by the speaker or the hearer. Not known by the speaker or the hearer. And there's one exception to that. If tongues is being used as a sign. Sometimes tongues will be used as a sign. Let me give you an example. Remember the day of Pentecost? How many, how many of you remember the day of Pentecost? Remember? And on the day of Pentecost, uh, they, the, the, the believers got filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke with other tongues. Remember that? And remember the people that were gathered there in Jerusalem? They heard the disciples speaking in languages that all those people that were gathered there, they, they understood what the disciples were saying. Because, and they were astounded because they knew that the disciples didn't know how to speak the, the languages, their native tongues. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? And remember what the disciples were speaking in other tongues? They were speaking what? The wonderful works of God. You can read that over in the book of Acts. And, and so... Uh, what happened as a result, 3,000 people got saved. Is, is that right? You know, I mean, P Peter preached and all of that. But I mean, um, uh, here, here's a good example. Uh, uh, it's a true story. I've told it many times. Uh, I heard another preacher say it, but it bears repetition. It goes right in right here. There was a fellow that went to a church. He was a he was a roughneck in the town. He never went to church. He, uh, he, he one day he finally decided to come to church. So he goes to the church. He's sitting like on the back row. And the preacher, when he when he came in, the preacher, everybody in town knew who he was. I mean, you know, uh, this roughneck sinner, sinner among sinners. And he's there in the back row. And. Uh, He's sitting in the church. This is not this church, but this was somewhere else. True story. And uh, the, the preacher you know, realized who, who, who he was. And the, so the service goes on and whatnot. They have the worship and 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 and, and, and the preacher preached and all of that. And then then right near the end. Uh, a 12 year old girl. Uh, stood up and gave out a message in other tongues. She sat down and nobody interpreted it. See, if tongues are used publicly, there needs to be interpretation unless tongues are being used as a sign. This girl gave out this message in tongues. And she sat down, there's no interpretation. 
And so the preacher made the altar call. And that man that was sitting in the back row, you know, God loves people. Did you know he does? And, and he came running, running up and got saved. The preacher asked him afterwards, said, sir, I, you know, I know your history and your background. And he said, what caused you to, to come up here? What was it? Was it the beautiful music we had today? Was it my message? What was it? The guy said, no, wasn't any of that. What's that girl? He said, I know that girl. That, that girl doesn't know me. She's 12 years old. But he said, I know that girl. And I know she doesn't know Choctaw. And I said, nobody in this town knows Choctaw. He said, I came off an Indian reservation, Choctaw Indian Reservation. And so that girl stood up and spoke perfect Choctaw. Called my name, he said. Said, I've been, de- said, I've been dealing with you for years. You've always turned me away. Now I'm giving you your last call to repent and get saved. Are you going to die and go to hell? This is your last chance. The guy said, when, when I heard that, he said, I knew it was the Holy Ghost. He came and got saved. Isn't that wonderful? God's a good God. He's not looking for ways to keep people out of heaven. He's looking for ways to call people to the Lord, to, to come to him, you know. These gifts, they've been so misused and so misunderstood by people. But why would God put them in the church? He put them in the church to help us. To help people. Did you hear me? Tongues was used as a sign there. God got saved. Then there's the interpretation of tongues. The interpretation of tongues is just a supernatural utterance in a known language of what was said in tongues. A supernatural utterance in a known language of what was said in tongues. See, because when there's a message given in tongues publicly, unless it's being used as a sign, like on the day of Pentecost or that Choctaw situation, then it needs to be interpreted so that people can understand what's being said so the church can be edified, you see. Now, you need to understand that I think, I think one of the reasons there's been so much confusion about tongues and interpretation of tongues and, and prophecy. I mean, if you, if you really study it out and if you've been around any length of time, and, you know, one of the main things that people want to know when they're trying to find out about this church is, do y'all, do y'all, what's your stand on the whole? Well, first they want to know what our stand is on Jesus. And, you know, that's the most important thing. And then they want to know, do y'all speak in tongues? Because it's like, it's almost like, you know, if you speak with other tongues, you're almost like, you know, people look at you like you're weird or crazy. And I think one of the reasons that there's so, mis- so much confusion on, on tongues is there, there's, there's a public side to it and there's a private side to it. There's a public side to it 
and there's a private side to it. Do you know what I mean by that? A public side. When I say public side, I mean like in the church setting. This is a public setting here. And then there's, there's a private side, like when you're at home or in your car. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and if you want more on this, I, the public side of it, because I'm going to just take a few minutes and talk about the private side of tongues. Because that probably affects more of us than the public side. But the public side, if you want more on it, read 1 Corinthians 14, the, the whole chapter sometime. Just read that, study that, and, and you'll get more insight on the public side of tongues. But you have to understand something else. Now, listen carefully. You can read 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and you can see that God does not use everyone publicly with tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Did you hear what I just said? You, yeah, it, you know, I, I don't have it in my notes here, but but uh, remember there in First Corinthians 12, maybe you can find it. Find it right there at the end of First Corinthians 12. I think it is. Uh, he says, do all speak with tongues? First, let's go to First Corinthians 12, 29, please. Oh, the spirit of God is here. Anointing is here. Teaching anointing is strong. Let's move back up. That's excellent. That's exactly right. Let's move up a couple of verses, please. Let's try verse uh, 28. And let's go here. Here we go. Thanks. Thanks, Karen. That's good. And God has appointed these where? So in the church, public public setting here. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps. Notice helps. You might. I'll say something about that here in a minute. Administrations, varieties of tongues. Next verse, please. Now, are all apostles? No, that's clear. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Next verse, please. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. So, see, here's where the confusion comes in. Well, that just, that, that just said that, you know, we don't all speak with tongues. What did Paul say? Just We read it just a moment ago. I wish you all spoke with tongues. He's talking about privately there. But not everybody is going to be used publicly with tongues. Or interpretation of tongues prophecy. Did you get that? Do you get that? So, and then he says, do all interpret. No, not, not publicly. God isn't, doesn't use everybody publicly. It is interesting in that gift, in that, that list there of those gifts, it doesn't, it doesn't say anywhere, do all, are all supposed to help. What does that mean? Everybody's supposed to be a helper. Did you ever, if you go back and study it, you know, he lists all those things and said, are all apostles or all prophets? No, 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 no. He never talks about helps in there, which leads us to believe everybody ought to be helping in the local church. But that's a side point. Uh, do all speak with tongues? No, not publicly, not in a public, not in a public setting where you give out a message in tongues and do all interpret. Not everybody's used in that. But does Paul want us all to be speaking with tongues privately? Yes. And you can see the confusion that, that has come because people don't understand there's a public side to it and there's a private side to it. Now, 
I could go on and on and on, but, but I don't want to today. I, I, I just want to say a few things about the private side of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.2. Let's go back there. 1 Corinthians 14.2. This is the private side. This ought to be going on in, in, in your life as a, as a born-again believer, baptized in the Holy Spirit, privately. Tongues for prayer here. Notice, he, 1 Corinthians 14.2. For he who speaks in a tongue... Does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So that's what's happening when you're praying in tongues. Somebody said, well, I pray in tongues. I don't understand what I'm saying. You're not supposed to. You're not speaking to men. You're not speaking to yourself. Even you're speaking to who? Speaking to God. I know there's a humorous story where a fella in, in a certain church, he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And there was these other two, a true story, there was these other two guys standing by. And this, this man is just speaking in tongues. And the one guy says to the other guy, said, what's he saying? And the other guy says, I don't know, he's not talking to me. He didn't know how and he didn't know how scriptural he actually was. The guy isn't talking to other people. He's talking to God. See, then I'll say this years ago, I would see different times didn't happen very often. But you'd see like one minister speaking to a, a, like a, another minister they were speaking in tongues back and forth at each other. I don't see that. That's not scriptural. Because when you're speaking in, in tongues here, you're not speaking to men, but to who? To God. I've even seen where people have screamed at the devil in other tongues. Well, the devil doesn't understand. when You, you understand that? You're not speaking to the devil. You're speaking to who? To God. Now, notice here, First uh, Corinthians 14. Uh, actually, let's read, uh, let's read verse 13 first. First Corinthians 14, 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may, what? Interpret. What's the interpretation? It's just, it's it, it, like the tongues, you don't understand what was said, but... The interpretation, then that's in a language that you can understand. Excuse me. Since the anointing of God, it says, uh, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may what? Interpret. For if I, then look at verse 14. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is what? Unfruitful. See, when you're praying in tongues, your spirit, it's your spirit. The Holy Spirit in your spirit is praying 
he, he's giving the utterance, you understand? You've got to do the speaking. But so I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Then he says, verse 15, what's the conclusion then? I'll pray with the spirit. I'll also pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the spirit. What does that mean? In other tongues. I'll, I'll pray with the spirit. What does that mean? In other tongues. I'll pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the spirit. What does that mean? In other tongues. Can you sing in other tongues? Surely. I'll sing. I'll also sing with the understanding. Now, one way to look at this is that, you know, like right now I'm speaking to you in, a, in English. You can understand. I'm not speaking in tongues right now. So you can understand me, right? But, uh, but, but you know, you, you, can, you, can, you can speak in other tongues. And, uh, you know, when you're speaking in other tongues, you're speaking in the spirit, praying in the spirit. And then, and then there's times where, like right now, I'm, I'm just talking in English. You can understand me, you see. And that's one application of that, singing the same way. You could sing in other tongues, and then you can sing like we sang here today in the understanding, in English, right? Then they sing in English. But you know, there's another, another application of this, and, and that's why I had you read verse 13. That, what, what would verse 13 say? Let's look at verse 13 again. Verse 13 said, Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may what? Interpret. And then why? Because verse 14 says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my understanding is unfruitful. Well, why interpret? Verse 15 says, what's the conclusion? I'll pray with the spirit. I'll pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the spirit. I'll sing with the understanding. What, what, what does that mean? Well, there's times that I'm talking like when you're alone, when you're by yourself. You can pray in other tongues, speak out in other tongues, pray in other tongues. And then, you know, uh, uh, you can pray and ask the Lord that he'd give you the interpretation. Now, now you have to understand that, that, that you're not always going to get the interpretation for the I'm talking privately when you speak out in tongues, because most of the time you're just speaking unto God. You're speaking mysteries. Did you understand that? You OK? But sometimes. Sometimes. It's necessary for you to be, interpret what you're saying in other tongues. I'll just give you one example of this, what happened to me. And, and it's a good example. I remember years ago, uh, I, some folks wanted me to go to Bible school and, 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 and go, go to Bible school in, in, in Tulsa and all of that. They, they were well-meaning people. They meant the best for me. And uh, I just never, I just, I don't know, I just didn't have peace about going when they wanted me to go. And, and, and God bless them, but they pressured me and pressured me and may, tried to make me feel guilty and blah, 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 and all this other stuff for not going. But I just didn't have peace about it. But nonetheless, out of much pressure, I went down to Tulsa. I went down and, uh, uh, you know, I, went, I didn't go to Bible school but that, that year, but, I, but, but I, I was thinking, well, if they want me to go, maybe I ought to go and blah, 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 blah. And, and so I went down and I, I, if I'm going to move to Tulsa, I'm going to need to get a job down there. And I remember I walked into Tulsa Junior College with just a bachelor's degree, walked into Tulsa Junior College. I met a guy and he hired me right on the spot to teach classes at Tulsa Junior College. Wow, that's really cool. It's almost unheard of. 
Long story short, ultimately, I, I made the decision not to go to Bible school that year. And I had already signed a contract with the Valley Park School District. I'd already given them my word that I was going to teach that next year. We need to be people of our word. Is that right? And, honor. And, 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 and I went and I asked the, the Valley Park if they let me out of the contract. And they weren't going to let me out of the contract. Now, if they would let me out of the contract, then I'd have been fine to, to go. That would have been fine. If they would let me out, then, then, then I'd have probably went to Bible school. But they were not going to let me out of the contract, which it's fine. So I was obligated then to, to stay that extra year. Are you okay? So I called a guy at Tulsa Junior College and said, I can't come. I'm sorry, I can't accept your position. So I was, I, oh my gosh, now I gave up a good teaching position. What am I going to do? You know, I was single at the time. You know, what, what am I going to do here now if I'm going to go next year? I've already kind of burnt my bridges with that guy. You know, he's not going to hire me again next year. I remember I was driving in my car up by the Crestwood Mall. I had just left the mall. I was driving back down, Watson, I guess it's Watson Road, coming back towards Fenton. And uh, I remember I was speaking in other tongues. All of a sudden, it's like the Spirit of God came on me, and I spoke out a message in tongues. It, 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 it was for me. I knew it was for me, and I, I needed the interpretation. As the Lord gave me the interpretation, I interpreted right there in my car. And in, in English, I gave out the interpretation. And, and, and this was the interpretation. The year will come and go. And next year, this time, you'll be right back in the same situation. Everything I set up for you, this time will be set up for you again. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? He said, everything that I set up for you now, I'll set up for you again. It'd be, I said, I'll, set it, I'll set it up for you again. Isn't he wonderful? But then he said, but next year this time, it'll be better than it is now. How could it be better? <laughs> well, it was better in that I married her and took her with me. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and at the time, <laughs> she wasn't going to marry me. <laughs> Do you understand that? Isn't it better to go to Tulsa with her than by myself? The cooking's going to be a whole lot better. <laughs> but it's a lot better than cooking. <laughs> Just having her with me. <laughs> Shouldn't we have these things in our life? Shouldn't we have these things in our church? But if I don't teach you on them, you're not going to know about them. And even if I teach you on them now and I don't talk about them for five years, you know, you've got to be reminded of these things, right? And then you've got to covet the, or you've got to desire these things, huh? Is that right? They're here to help us and bless us. Then again, look at Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 26. Wow. Talking about the private side here. Why, you sense the anointing of God? I, don't, I can't, I don't know. Uh, Romans 8.26, likewise, Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, helps our, our weaknesses. For we do not know 
what we should pray for as we ought. Has anybody ever been there besides me? You don't know how to pray as you ought. Thank God for the Holy Ghost and other tongues. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's talking about in other tongues there. Notice that with groanings which cannot be uttered. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, uh, a lot of times I've gone to prayer meetings over the many years, and it seems like people, charismatic folks, you know, people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've gone to the prayer meetings, you sit down, and people just, you know, let's pray for such and such, and they just start praying in tongues right away. I think that's a bad rule of thumb. I think that whenever there's a situation comes up, I think, give me a Kleenex, somebody. I think when, when, when thank you, when, it, when, it, thanks. When a situation comes up, I think that we ought to sit down, take the word of God and pray for that situation in English, in our case, and pray just as far as we can go. Did you hear what I just said? Because I've been to so many charismatic prayer meetings where situation comes up right away, everybody starts praying in tongues. I think that's a, I just think it's a bad rule of thumb. And one reason for that is folks really don't know how to pray, and so they just start praying in tongues. I think we need to pray in our understanding about, a, 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 according to the Word of God, just as far as we can. Many times you can pray something out in English, you get it all prayed out, you don't even need to pray in tongues concerning the situation. But very oftentimes, you pray in English, you, you, you go just as far as you can, and, but you know, you know there's still more to be done there. You don't know how to pray any further, so then you turn it over to the Holy Spirit completely. When I, when I say that, I mean you, in tongues, you pray in tongues. And let Him pray out the perfect will of God. Now, there's some situations over the years where I just didn't know how to pray right off the bat. Had no clue how to pray for a situation. So then the Holy Ghost would take hold and pray the whole thing out in other tongues. I remember one night, uh, many years ago, we, I felt impressed to the Spirit of God to have a prayer meeting here on a Sunday night. So we came in Sunday night. We had, had, had a prayer meeting. And, and I, knew, I knew in my heart, because the Spirit of God had d- dealt with my heart, that He was going to take hold with us in this, prayer, uh, in this prayer meeting. And uh, so I'm thinking, okay, well, we'll pray in English for a while, and then He'll take hold. We'll all pray in tongues for... Because I've seen that happen where the Holy Ghost would just take hold with you in prayer and other tongues and intercession. I remember getting up in the pulpit here and I started praying. I prayed for about 35 minutes, just, just as hard, in, in English. Got done. Nothing, not, not one word in other tongues. And, and after the service, I'm sitting back in my office thinking, well, Holy Spirit, you said you were going to take hold with us. And, and, and you never did. We never did, we never did pray in tongues. And and he got across to me that he did take hold with us. See, I've been trained and conditioned to think that in order for the Holy Ghost to take hold in a prayer meeting, you've got to go into into other tongues. You don't always have to pray in other tongues. He can take hold hold with us in English. Can you say amen? amen? But thank God there are other tongues. And there's many times we don't know how to pray for as we ought. So the Holy Ghost will take hold with us in other tongues. And and when we're praying in other tongues, we can know this, that we're praying the perfect will of God. Can you say amen? amen? 
and with groanings which cannot be uttered. There's a place you can get in intercession. Where And I've been there a few times, and I tell you what, there's nothing quite like it. When you start praying for somebody, you get over and interceding for them, and, 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 and uh, you're praying in tongues. But I've already laid on the floor and groaned for people, groaned for situations. And that's the Holy Ghost groaning on the inside, and travailing. It seems that God will not do anything on the earth unless we give him the avenue to do so through prayer. Did you hear what I just said? And a good minister said that many years ago. It seems like God will not do anything in the earth unless we give him the avenue to do so through prayer. That's because of the way he set it up. So we need to be people of prayer. We need to pray in the understanding as far as we can in line with the word of God. And then pray in other tongues and let the Holy Ghost pray out the perfect will of God and gives an avenue there to move. Let me conclude here. Come on. First Corinthians 14, 4. We'll conclude. So reason for tongues. Prayer. And then here's the, another reason, and then we'll, we'll close. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue does what? Edifies himself. That word edify, it's like, has your battery in your car ever gone dead? You've gone out, you hit the, it used to be you turn the key, now you hit the button, I guess. Nonetheless, you go, anybody ever get that besides me? Or you go out there and then, and I think that the, a lot of Christians in this hour have become, you know, so you need to be charged up. What do you do with that battery? You either get a new one or you get a charger on it and charge it up. Well, this word here has to do with like a battery charger. And he who speaks in a tongue charges himself up. So that's another reason to speak in tongues is to, to edify yourself, charge yourself up, build yourself up. Can you say amen? Look at Jude Chapter 1, verse 20. There's only one chapter, but look at Jude 20, the 20th verse there. It says, but you, and it's on the screen, but you, beloved, what? Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That means in other tongues. And then finally, Isaiah 28, verse 11. Uh Paul references Isaiah 28 there in 1 Corinthians 14. So this is in proper context. Verse, Isaiah 28 verse 11 is talking about speaking with other tongues because Paul references this verse in Isaiah in 1 Corinthians 14. With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Next verse, please. To whom he said, now what? This is the what? The rest with which he may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. So what is praying in other tongues? It edifies your, it, it edifies your spirit. It builds your spirit up. And uh, it brings uh, rest to weariness. And it brings refreshing. Amen. Well, did you get anything out of this today? Well, stand with me if you would. Praise God.